motherhood, and work. There isn't a right way or best way to juggle these, despite what you've heard or been told. No, really, there's not. Part-time work has been the best fit for me and my family, but it's tough to navigate any gray area of motherhood when you don't fit neatly in a box. My name is Tiana Fesh, and welcome to the Part-Time Jungle Podcast, where we are going to build conversation and community around swinging motherhood and work in a way that works best for us and our families. No matter your path, it's an adventure with highs, lows, and in-betweens. Let's explore together. Welcome to the Part-Time Jungle Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am so excited to be here with our guest today, Jennifer Singh, a former TV reporter turned PR strategist and media coach who specializes in storytelling, public relations, and marketing. She lives and works by three values, authenticity, transparency, and empowerment. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jennifer. Hi, nice to see you. So Jennifer launched She's Newsworthy Media to help female entrepreneurs and business owners increase media attention for their brands by pitching their expertise to the media. So far, she's helped over 35 women land media spots on all of the most popular TV shows, The Social, CP24 Breakfast, and Breakfast TV, just to name a few. She's also mom to two little boys, Dominic and Marcus, ages five and two. Yeah, <laughs> definitely a handful. <laughs> Those are busy ages for sure. Yes. So, and to start off, I would love to hear your story about your motherhood work juggle, raising children, running a business as a woman of color. Yeah, so it was a very interesting journey. Uh, five years will have passed this July. So it's my five-year anniversary for my business. And I was never an entrepreneur prior to this. I worked as a journalist in the media industry for years. And in 2010, I ended up in a really unique position where I was being paid by the government, but I was on a TV station providing some transit updates. So I still had the element of a secure job that was, you know, paying the nine to five and all that kind of stuff. The commute was sucking the life out of me though. And I transitioned out of that position um, by getting laid off. But here's the thing that was so interesting. So you're in a secure government job, uh, getting paid, you know, that the benefits will top you up if you have children And my husband and I were trying to get pregnant for three years. So as soon as I got pregnant, I got laid off. So the timing of it was, was it was interesting. And a lot of people would say, Oh, you know, you got laid off such bad timing. And it was actually the perfect timing for me to transition into being an entrepreneur. So that was 20. We had, we had my, my son in 2015 And that summer, um, you know, when I got laid off and going into that year, I spent the time building my website, trying to get photographs before I had a huge belly bump, uh, doing all those things. I also suffered really badly from anxiety during my pregnancy and right before because I, I had a miscarriage. So my anxiety level was really high. So staying home was the best thing that I could have done. I refocused myself into being an entrepreneur and um, launching She's Newsworthy Media. So fast forward, we have my son and 
my business didn't really start off. Um, I had no business expertise, right? So I'm starting from the scratch, didn't really know what I was doing. Uh, and because I had that miscarriage and we were trying for so long, I decided to sacrifice making a proper income for um, raising, like just being home with my son 24 <laughs> seven. So he was home with me until he was three and a half. <laughs> um, and that was Dominic. And in that time, I kind of went back to working in the industry for a little bit. I worked back at CBC and then, then I got pregnant in a blink of an eye with Marcus, right? Because of course, that's how the universe does it. And at that point, I made the decision that I wasn't going to go back to a traditional nine to five. Instead, I was going to go fast forward into my, into my entrepreneurship, uh, invested in myself, hired a business coach, and I never really looked back. But when you do the math, I literally gave birth to two children and started a business in three years. Who does wow. that? <laughs> that is a lot. That is a lot. Yeah, it is a lot. It was totally a lot in that in a, in a short amount of time. So what were some strategies and things that helped you with that juggle? What were some things that helped you make that work and take on all that change in such a short amount of time? Well, see, the funny thing is, it's ironic because we are in the middle of a pandemic right now. And this feels to me just how it was when I was trying to run my business when the kids were at home. That's exactly what it was. There was nothing that made it easy. We, you know, I was, I was doing exactly what, and the, the, the funny thing is the stuff that I was talking about then, nobody could really understand or relate to because most moms had, um, you know, childcare or most moms had, you know, their kids in school or a nanny at home. Whereas I literally was watching the kids all day and then, you know, Something really interesting happens though, even though you're physically and mentally drained watching the kids, like I now call myself like an idea generator because my mind does not stop turning when it comes to my business and how I could grow. So that part was actually an escape from all the child rearing all day. So that was a big part of it. But one of the things that, um, you know, some of the things I started to implement was, um, you know, leaving the house to do work, right? So I started going, and that was a big deal because, you know, if you're at home and your kids want you constantly, you can't even go into the next room without them clinging to you. I have two Velcro babies and, you know, that's, you know, you, you feel the mom guilt when you're, you know, just going upstairs. So I pretty much, we had my office in my bedroom and it was, it was horrible. I just, you know, I ended up, um, I ended up packing on a lot of weight because I can't even just leave the house for a quick walk. Like there was nothing really that, um, I mean, the thing that a lot of people don't even realize was that time I was still taking on clients and they were still landing media interviews. I don't know how, I honestly, I almost feel like I can't remember how I did it, but when they were finally out of the house, that was only six months ago when they were both finally out of the house and then the pandemic hit. So, you know, Dominic was in school full time and Marcus was in part-time care since last June, but then we're like, okay. He's out of the house. So from 10 to four, I really started having that time to just focus on my business. But um, I think one of the things, you know, that, you know, we, we, we're talking right now, we're in the middle of the Black Lives Matters movement. And we talk about a lot of the discussion where um, somebody like myself, who's a woman of color, I remember speaking to um, a business coach and her suggestion was like, oh, just, you know, send, send your kids to the neighbors or, you know, get somebody to come into the house and watch the kids. 
But as a woman of color, I'm from the West Indies. That is not acceptable. That is culturally not something we do. And that's not something that somebody who's white would understand. So that's another layer where I had extra guilt around that because we're, we kind of feel like we're an island and culturally we would never have a stranger come into our house and take care of our kids. So that's something that people don't realize. So that, that I think was an extra layer of, of pressure and of stress. Absolutely. It's, that's a lot because then you're taking on it all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just so, so many things. And it's, I, I find having the kids at home, it's just, it's hard to get two things, but then to have as well, the added piece in that it's not, um, it's not going to be a fit for you to invite somebody in and to provide that care mm -hmm. and to have that option available to you creates that added layer of challenge. And you're right. I think, you know, having then somebody not understand that, did you feel like you had to explain yourself when those suggestions were made? No, I never did because yeah. as we know now, um, that kind of conversation and discourse is not really acceptable or yeah. you would be gaslit or something like that. But yeah. the other thing I can think of where a lot of, um, you know, I live in Ontario and near, you know, the central part of the city. Um, I'm not downtown though, where a lot of people I find have community. So when we think about, you know, um, you know, I live in the suburbs and I don't have a community. I don't have somebody that I can just, I can't just walk to the corner store. I do need to physically hop in a car. But when we think about, um, race and privilege. Um, a lot of the families that live in the core make enough money to purchase a house that is a million dollars, even if they're living in it, right? So yeah. you got to think about all those different um, aspects when you see other women in business. Like it's not just, oh, that person doesn't have the tech, the tech know-how to launch her website. There's so many different layers to it. And, and the things that I'm talking about are pretty much invisible to the rest of the world. Yeah, it's so true. Like there's so much more to the story. Mm -hmm. And I mean, obviously now there's more conversation happening, which is so fantastic. And racism is an issue here in Canada. I know that many people, including myself and my family, were wanting to listen and we're wanting to learn. We're wanting to do better. Um, what are your thoughts on what we can do to support change and anti-racism through our own conversations and actions in our families, in our communities, in the workplace, in school? I think there's so many, like I'm not an, I'm not an anti-racist expert. I can only speak from lived experience, but I think it's just... There's so many things like when I think about the discrimination, like I faced discrimination in the medical system, in the school system, in hospitals when I was giving birth, like there were so many instances that I can think of that I can list. And that transitioned over into, um, you know, I would say microaggressions, which is, you know, those suggestions or those comments that happen um, into the business world. But I think the most telling thing and that the way that I've been seeing people step up as leaders are those that are really, um, you know, about listening and about learning and about 
not being afraid to be called a racist or something that they did as being racism, right? So I think, uh, I almost think like we need to really approach this, how we approach that massive explosion last year of sexual harassment cases in the news. You know, why is it that, you know, most people watching will believe the victim, but when it comes to something like racism, why are we not believing the victim? Why do we need to still have video evidence? Why do we need to have text messages? Why do we need to have that? And then even when it's out there, then it still is up for discussion on whether it was racist or not. So that's kind of what I see playing out um, on social media, in the media. And I think it's about, you know, listening and, and questioning, questioning your, your, your assumptions and your thoughts and the way you approach it. And it seems, sounds like a lot of work. It sounds like you have to like really, oh shoot, I can't say this. Oh, I, I can say this. You know, what if I make a mistake? Uh, when you think about all those things, it ends up centering it on yourself and not trying to figure out about the bigger issue in society. So, you know, start having those conversations at home. Um, one of the hardest things I think is when we see people in our families making, you know, racialized um, racist comments or doing something that seems racist is speaking up because we don't want to create friction within our family homes, right? Uh, speaking to our children, it's just like sex sexual education. They can learn everything that they want to learn in school, but what are you learning from home? Are you going to normalize? You know, my son asked me the other day because um, he saw some of my menstrual products. He's like, what's that? And then in my head, I'm like, okay, Jen, just normalize it just normalize it, right? So we have to really put that into other aspects of our of our lives, not just in our business circles, but also when we talk to our children and get into the habit of being uncomfortable when it comes to needing to speak up and needing to say something. You know, not just sitting aside, you know, when you see, um, when you see a hit and run, are you going to just stand there? Or are you going to call the police? Like, what are you going to do? Yeah. It, well, and I think in our family, we're trying to be more intentional. So I'm not a loud voice on social media, but I am definitely listening, learning, trying to understand things better and, and then think about what I can do in my own small way. And I found um, with our kids something that's been helpful um, in getting them to be a part of the conversation uh, in a way that kind of works for their age group is I see things in the news or I see a topic come up on social media and I pose it to them as a question. And then what they do is they go and they do some looking into it and then we have a conversation. Or we sit down and we watch a television program and we have a conversation about it. And then um, I've been, we have three children, which makes it very hard to have one-on-one -on -one time. So I've been alternating each evening, taking one of them at a time for a walk. And I find that's a great way to have them ask questions that they might not when we're all together in a, in a bit, in our bigger group of five. But I just, yeah, I really appreciate your insights and, um, I think it's just continuing, right? Like it, this is an ongoing thing. It's not doing one thing or two things. It's, it's an ongoing conversation and, and learning that needs to happen. One thing that I had seen when I was reading uh, about how to teach your children how to read or how to do math and if they're struggling is to, you know, just read the cereal box in the morning. 
read, you know, you know, count the steps to the car, doing incorporating things like that. And I think that those are techniques that it's great to be having those one-on-one conversations and trying to pull kids aside and addressing what's in the media. But even looking at things that are around us, like if you're in a place where there's not a lot of diversity in, um, you know, the advertisements that are in, you know, around you, or if, you know, something about, you know, the students in their class, you know, keeping it really simple and keeping it relative so that it's not overwhelming for them to absorb at the same time, right? Because it is heavier content. But even, you know, talking, I'm sure everybody listening has kids who are watching TV. There's so much screen time now. I'm 100% guilty of overdoing it. But looking at looking at people, in some of those programs and how they're portrayed. That's a simple way. And that's something that, you know, Paw Patrol was in the news several times in the past, like six to eight months. And one of my criticisms, even before this conversation became a hot topic was why is the mayor, uh, you know, she's a woman of color. That's great. But why is she always represented as being really frantic about silly things and always needs to be rescued? So it's the same damsel in distress storyline that is put through. And I think media is such a, easy way to incorporate the way that kids think about the world and their themselves and and who they are that could be from the toys that can be from the dolls that they purchase that could be you know Crayola now has the crayons okay how many years did that take you know even having a conversation your your kid may fall down you know the summer and scrape their knee and putting a band-aid on them hey did you know that band-aids only come in the colors of our skin that's white and not anybody else's skin you know what do you think that makes the other person feel like those are little tiny conversations that we can think about every single day when we are child rearing. Yeah, no, I think that's fantastic. And it connects very well to their lived experience, right? Exactly. It makes it relevant and it makes them stop and take that moment of pause. And I think that's so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you very much. Those are great things that um, are going to help me to do better <laughs> with my own family and my own kids. I really appreciate that. And looking broader as well, like even individuals and businesses are trying to navigate through the current Black Lives Matters movement in a way that supports inclusion in an authentic and meaningful and appropriate way. What are some ideas and strategies that you could offer to small businesses to be more inclusive in their businesses and also in their marketing? Mm-hmm. So this is definitely a twofold question. I first want everybody to understand that the reason why you need to do it is not just because of what is happening in the discourse today, but this is something um, if we, if you, if, okay, say you're not on board, say you don't believe that we have a moral obligation to do this, it can impact the bottom line. So really think about it from a broader business perspective and make it a business decision to incorporate into your strategy in the long run. So some of the tips that I always suggest is if you do want to be more inclusive in your marketing across the board, do it in tandem with other work that you were doing inside your business. So whether that is the small decisions that you're making when nobody is watching or the things that you question. So for example, if you are going to be a guest or asked to be a guest on a panel or a podcast, take some time before jumping to say yes and get promotion for your business, whether it's going to be a fit for you. Of course, you outside of this conversation, you should be trying to see if it's going to be a fit for your values and you know your brand and in line with your brand. But who else has been on that podcast? Who else has been on that speaking stage? And I remember it's, um, you know, a business person last year 
who posted, this was way before any of this, this discussion was okay to talk about in public. She's white. And she said that she was invited to be on a pretty big stage and declined because everybody else on that stage was going to be white. And that's not what she wanted to associate yourself with, right? So asking those questions, that would be something of an example of inside your business before you end up putting it out in marketing. Another example that I can think of is like a couple of my clients, my clients are so wonderful. And, um, you know, two ladies last year, both who identify as white, had the opportunity to bring on another person as part of their story to be interviewed. And they both chose and we had conversations about this. They wanted to amplify the voice of a person of color. So they specifically went out and chose somebody. So that's kind of like the before that's like behind the scenes that's inside your business, the decisions you're making, and then the marketing, which is, you know, a media interview. So how is it going to, how is it going to translate? And we really got to think about, I think a lot of people, they're nervous about saying anything because they don't want to mess up on social media. They say they're listening, but I will say without saying anything and using the, um, the, the reason of listening also says a lot right? It also says a lot when you're silent. So some of the recommendations that I make is to, um, if you are in the process of navigating it and you don't know what to do, that is okay. Put out a post, put something out there in your newsletter to your community, on your social feeds, not just for the sake of doing what everybody else is doing, but let them know that these are some of the things that you're thinking about so that it doesn't just seem like when you do actually come up with a solution that you're just popping up there with tokenism. Because we have to think about your brand um, it, as a whole, not just in this little bubble of Black Lives Matter. As a whole, what is what is that going to say about your brand? And I feel like a lot of people are using um, the I'm listening, um, you know, like reason to kind of just not put themselves out there because they're scared, right? So... I don't know. I don't know what else to say. I mean, imagine if you think that is scary, imagine being a person of color or a black or indigenous person and worried about being shot by the police, right? That's a that's a legitimate fear. That's a legitimate fear, right? But when we're when we're when we're scared about our marketing, what we're actually scared about is our bottom line. Think about it, right? Because we don't want to mess up, we don't want to have um lose business. And I totally get that because me speaking out has put me in a really interesting position, right? And I cut business ties with several people since the discourse has opened up, right? One of my friends who's in the media said to me, you know, you assume that everybody's on the same page as you, but they're not, right? So really thinking about your marketing from a holistic perspective, not just how you put yourself out there and how you show up, making sure that it's um, tangible, things that you were doing inside your business from here on forward. It's not just a one-off. That is really hard for a lot of people to accept because you know what it's like? It's like saying that, you know what? Cell phones were great and we were able to text message and everything, but you know what? We're going to just get rid of all of those and go back to the landline. We would all freak out. That's a massive change, right? (laughs) That's a massive change. That's very uncomfortable and very inconvenient. So don't let that, take your brain over into thinking that you can't continue to make small changes every day, every week, every month from here until the end of time. Yeah. No, no pressure. No pressure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I think with that fear, I think if there, what are your thoughts? If there's that you're afraid to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing, 
But if you're expressing your willingness and openness to learning and accepting feedback to do better, you know, like I think it's not going to be perfect. Um, but if you have that learning mentality and you get feedback and you can be responsive to it, I think that I think, can be a helpful thing. Yeah. But I think we should also like break it down into like pre, pre this discourse, you run your business. I run my business. We have values that we stay by. Of course, people are going to challenge your business and its value. That's going to always happen. People yeah. challenge why I only decided to work with women. That was people said I was going to fail. You know, I'm not going to get enough clients and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's the same thing. So if you are strong in your core beliefs of how you want to move forward and you keep true to your brand values and your personal values, then sure, people are going to make comments, but is that going to bring your train? Like, is that going to bring you down? No, it's not. Just like your business. I still don't work with men. Like, (laughs) my business is fine. I think it's going to make, I think it's going to make us better, right? Because I think Mm. it really, uh, even more than ever, causes you to be reflective and look inside and what, what are my core values and what is so important and how can I get those across in the most authentic way possible. And um, with that inclusive mindset, it challenges our own thinking. And that's, that's what I'm finding right now. It's really getting me to question, you know, things that I've done or said or, and how I can do better that I just, I'm, I feel like I'm thinking about it a lot more now than ever before, which I think is such a good thing. Yeah. Really, um, as I said, you know, really, it's really encouraged me to have those conversations with um, my kids in a really intentional, purposeful way and to ask them some hard and uncomfortable questions, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it's, I think it's great. I think it's a good thing. Mm. It's uncomfortable, but it's a good and important uncomfortable to have. Mm. And I also wanted to ask you, because I know you support women entrepreneurs in pitching their expertise and sharing their voice and their brand and their ideas. And I would love to know what advice you would give to female entrepreneurs and business owners who are looking to share their expertise and pitch it to the media in order to increase that media attention for their brands and their core values and the things that are central to their business. Mm-hmm. So I think when you're thinking about positioning yourself to the media, whether we're in a pandemic or not, you always want to connect your story ideas to the media's news cycle. And the way to break that down really easily, and I think a lot of your listeners will know what a sleep consultant is, right? So a sleep consultant will pitch at certain times of the year, uh, New Year's, maybe there's healthy sleep habits. Maybe they will pitch in the spring for time change. They'll pitch during the summer when the summer school schedules are off. They're going to be pitching story ideas throughout the year. And we need to kind of think like the media in that sense. What times of year are going to be, um, is my business relevant to the media? That's one strategy. The other strategy is to tap into the, you know, the news of the day, the conversations that are happening. If there are new studies, new statistics um, or reports, I imagine a sleep consultant would have been, um, you know, some of my former clients have were sleep consultants and have done media interviews, I believe, since the pandemic hit. Yes, talking about, um, you know, um, 
you know, talking about how, how the pandemic has affected sleep, like things like that. So really trying to, um, you know, anchor yourself into positioning yourself to fit into the media's news cycle, but then also at the core of that, what the media wants and what is the most interesting thing to them is really what makes your business unique. And I always like to start there whenever I work with clients to figure out what is it that's different from your position than anybody else in your industry? Because we all have that competition, but the media is always looking for a fresh perspective and a fresh voice. And of course, like, you know, I work, as I mentioned at you, like I only work with women and it's because we're underrepresented in the media. So my clients have in part been successful because the stories we're pitching have never been pitched before. The angles are not there. The faces are not there. So, you know, the more unique you can be in business, as you know, the more successful you can be, same goes for the media. Yeah. And I think that's fantastic what you're doing, encouraging uh, more female voices to be out there in the media, sharing their businesses and sharing their stories Mm -hmm. and getting that broadness and perspective. That's fantastic. And before we wrap things up, I know you've shared so much fantastic insight and information. Uh, Do you have any final thoughts or words of wisdom for moms who are listening right now, who are looking for some information or inspiration or support with their own mom work juggles? (sighs) (laughs) Marry somebody who can watch the kids 24 seven. Honestly, I will say that it has to be a partnership. It really does have to be a partnership, keeping that communication open. The roles have definitely flipped in my house and my husband definitely needs a break now and then. But I think, um, you know, if you don't have a support system like we do, making sure, or even if you're a single parent, um, which my mom was a single parent, which, you know, of course she had to rely on babysitters and family members. We were lucky to have family members at the time. But, um, you know, I think at the end of the day, one of my biggest takeaways is because I do work a lot now is to carve out that time for your family. And don't forget that that's why we're doing it. And that's why we wake up every day and we want to serve and we want to be women and be our own bosses and be independent and have have our brains on. But, you know, make sure you're carving out um, quality time for your children, which I need to work on for sure. I think that's a pretty common theme. It's it's hard, right? It's hard. Um, our brains are pulled in so many directions, but yeah, that's actually um, I'm I'm in aligned with you there. I don't believe in New Year's resolutions, but my focus for the year is being more intentional with the time that I have for my kids, even mm. if it's small windows, right? Like quality over quantity. It's so important. Yeah. And Jennifer, thank you so much for sharing your time, expertise, and insight with us today. If our listeners want to learn more about you and the amazing work that you do, where are the best places to find you? Well, you can connect with me on Instagram. My handle is at She's Newsworthy. And on my website, I also have a ton of resources. So she's newsworthy.com. I have a free media pitch template that listeners can download and learn more about my most successful program that a lot of the women have been enrolled in, uh, Media Success Coaching. It is a hybrid program. So you do get that one-on-one time with me. And I've had, I would say about 20 people in that program that have landed media spots so far. So it's definitely a winner. 
That's fantastic. That sounds like a great opportunity. Thank you. And thank you so much for joining us, Jennifer. It was great to connect with you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Part-Time Jungle Podcast. I'm your host, Tiana Fesh. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Part-Time Jungle and on my website, www.theparttimejungle.com. I would love if you would subscribe to, rate, and review this podcast. Your feedback and support are so appreciated. See you next time where we will continue to explore the motherhood jungle together.